for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to our San Francisco 49ers beat writer, Matt Barrows, about some actual news out of Santa Clara. We've been speculating for so long about the George Kittle contract situation, and he has reached an agreement. Five years, $75 million extension, $30 million due at signing. Going to be a Niner for a long time. Super excited about it. Ready to play some football, baby. Woo! I don't know if the 49ers got a deal or not, but it seems like maybe George Kittle could have gotten a little bit more. And that's where our conversation will start with Matt Barrows. It's Monday, August 17th. Maddie, we welcome you back into the update, and we had you on about, I don't know, two and a half, three weeks ago, just kind of speculating things that are going to happen, but now we've got real news. George Kittle is locked up as a 49er. How you doing, and what can you tell us about it, Matt? I'm doing well. Yeah, you know, the 49ers are uh, just about to start real training camp practices, you know, 11-on-11 stuff, putting on the pads, all that stuff. So this was a natural point to get that deal done because – you're probably not going to have any big injuries, but they do happen when you've got 22 guys running around the field. So now he's got that safety net. He's got a lot of guaranteed money. I think $40 million of his contract is guaranteed for injury. So he's got that safety net now. So I'm sure that was extremely important for his side. And, and for the 49ers, it was you know important to get that distraction out of the way, to get this deal done. So now that they're focusing 100% on football, football and, of course, preventing the coronavirus, which is in the background of uh, everyone's life right now. But point being is that they had one sort of off-the-field piece of business to take care of as training camp was starting, and now that's out of the way. Yeah, you mentioned the coronavirus, you know, part of this. And I wonder, you know, five years, $75 million for George Kittle, $30 million due at signing. I wondered, was there money left on the table here? This sounds like a pretty good deal for the 49ers. I think it's just a factor of it's just so hard to really reset the market. And he did reset the market for tight ends. And you saw that almost immediately after he did his deal. Travis Kelsey uh, got his done. But to, you know, surpass wide receivers, which has traditionally been the the skill position that's gotten the most money, that was probably too much to ask, you know, despite all of George Kittle's skills and what he's meant for this team. Logically, I agree with it. I mean, I I agree with the the Kittle side of it. He does so much for this team, he probably warranted that, but it's hard to do. And I had people, other agents telling me the whole time, you know, it's going to be, you know, around 14, 15 million. And uh, they ended up being right. That's what the, the average per year is, 15 exactly. So it's about where people thought it would be. And, and, and frankly, it's right between what the highest tight end salary had been and what the highest wide receiver salary is. So, you know, when it comes to that sort of logic, it falls right into place. I think I saw a uh, something from his agent a few months back talking about how George Kittle's a unicorn, and the 49ers have called him this, that he does so much for them in the run game, so much for them in the receiving game, but if you stack him up now price-wise or, or salary-wise against the other receivers in the league, he would sit there at number 12. And I think you could make a case that because of what he does as a tight end in the blocking game, and he's so good at being a blocker, you could make a case that he's maybe more valuable to his team than any wide receiver is to their team in the league. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and that's the argument that they were making. Is he more valuable than Jarvis Landry is to the Cleveland Browns? I don't think anybody would be opposed to that, but Jarvis Landry is making more per year than George Kittle is. So, you know, that's the landscape. I mean, you could say that about a lot of 
quarterbacks as well. I don't have the quarterback numbers in front of me, but that's a group that gets paid a lot more. I'm not saying I agree with it, but that's just the reality of the NFL landscape at this point. Now, does that start to change over time? All this stuff is is really cyclical. It's a pass-first league, uh, three-wide receiver, four-wide receiver league. And so you see receivers being valued, and you see positions like running back, like fullback, being devalued. So, I don't know, in 20 years it might be different, but uh, that's what it is right now. And I wonder about that, too, because you're talking about, you know, we say he reset the tight end market. They say that, you know, Pat Mahomes got a a half a billion dollars. He sort of resets that quarterback market. And we talk about it position by position. In Major League Baseball, if you're a starting pitcher and you're a great starting pitcher, sometimes these guys will get $200 million contract to play every five days. Now, in football, I get there's a difference between the offense and defense. But do we get too much? And I know this is this is a league thing and it's a team thing. They hold the cards. They make the decisions. Do we get too much into comparing him just to other tight ends rather than comparing him to other great football players as we're talking about? Like, I just feel like if you're a great player, you should be paid to be a great player, not just a great tight end. Yeah, I mean, and this is exactly what Kittle's camp was arguing all along. I mean, you look at how many yards he has and, and what percentage of the team that is and that's just the passing game. Then you also go into the running game and what the 49ers running game was like when he was out for those two games. There was a dramatic drop-off, and you know he was a big reason why. So there were all sorts of arguments that he deserved to be up there you know, with the Julio Joneses in, in terms of salary. I mean, that's why it, it took so long, because it is a very good argument. But at the end of the day, like I said, the 49ers were not willing to – really reset that market the way it is. But you're right. I mean, he's more than a tight end. And, and that was sort of the point all along. I don't know whether John Lynch's, if you recall back in 2017, they, they ended up spending a lot of money, a lot more than people thought they should on Kyle Juszczyk, a fullback. Why spend all that money on a fullback? You know, a, a position that's sort of going the way of the dodo in the NFL and Lynch's argument was, well, he does a lot more for us. We're going to actually call him an OW, an offensive weapon. You can apply that same logic to George Kittle. And he's not always lining up as a tight end. He lines up as a wide receiver sometimes, as an H-back, et cetera, et cetera. He does a lot for the team. There's no question about it. He definitely deserves the money he got. And you're right. I agree. I think he probably deserves more than he ended up getting. It's funny, the offensive weapon thing. We see that in high school football. You see that in college football sometimes where a kid's position is just ATH. They list him as an athlete. That's kind of what uh, what George Kittle is. And looking at the receiving core, George Kittle is probably just viewed as the number one receiver as he is. But we were excited about Debo Samuel in a full second season. And now, because of the Jones injury in his foot, he's going to miss, it looks like, the start of the season. 49ers were in the market for a couple other veteran wide receivers, it looked like, and they may have agreed to terms with J.J. Nelson and Tavon Austin. What can you tell us about those guys and, and maybe the role they'd play in this offense? I look at it like you've got a couple extra veterans here to sort of help out and, and support the young core of guys or the injured guys who didn't make it onto the field last year. And then if Debo comes back, maybe he's kind of your Emmanuel Sanders. He's maybe your midseason acquisition this year. Yeah, I mean, primarily it was about numbers. I mean, they only had eight healthy guys. Richie James uh, isn't practicing. They had signed an undrafted rookie, Chris Finke. He was dealing with a, a hamstring strain, so he's not even on the on the roster right now. And then you had Travis Benjamin, who opted out. So they were down to eight healthy wide receivers. Teams like to have ten, 
for a training camp. These guys are basically sprinting downfield on every play. So you want to keep that group as fresh as possible. So adding those two obviously gets you to that 10 number. And then Nelson and Austin are both known for their speed. That was another area that Travis Benjamin you know, had. He, I forget what his 40 time was, but it was sub 4-4. And both these guys, Austin and Nelson, ran very much sub 4440s coming out of the draft. I think Nelson's was 4.28, so he was a, a sub 4.30, which is very rare. So that's an element that the 49ers didn't really have a lot of. And then Austin, especially, is you know good at doing some of the things that Debo Samuel did last year. The Rams, in particular, have handed him the ball a lot uh, over his career there. So. You know, you talk about a situation, a head coach, an offensive coordinator that can really utilize Tavon Austin's skills, and Kyle Shanahan is that guy. A lot of people are really looking forward to seeing what he can do with Tavon Austin. The other part of the equation is that all of these teams are going to be able to have 16-man practice squads. They've been 10-man squads in, in recent years. They bulk it up to 16 this year because of, you know, anticipating possible issues with coronavirus. So uh, a, a lot of these guys, not every wide receiver on the roster right now is going to end up on either the active roster or the practice squad, but a lot of them are. So I don't know how it'll fall, but I imagine that most of the guys on this team right now who are wide receivers are going to end up sticking with this team throughout the season, one squad or the other. And looking at the roster, it's a young, sort of unproven wide receiving core. And, and just sort of before I let you go, I was looking at it and I was kind of taken aback. I think Trent Taylor, by my just one look over, is the oldest wide receiver on the roster. Yeah, and um, guess who has the most starts uh, before these two new additions came in? I'll guess Dante Pettis. Debo Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Dante Pettis was a good guess. He and Debo have the same number of regular season starts. Debo gets the edge when you include postseason starts. But, I mean, we're talking, I think it's 14. So last year's rookie is the most experienced wideout on this team. So that's another big reason why you might want to add a Tavon Austin and a, uh, a J.J. Nelson at this point. Matt Barrows, we appreciate the time today, man. It was a lot of fun catching up with you. I know we just had you on, so keep your phone on. If there's more breaking news, we'll, uh, we'll have to give you a call and have you on again next week, man. All right. Anytime, Adam. Good talking with you. You too, Matt. Catch you later. Well, how about that? Just about a month away from 49er football really getting going for the season, and they've got their tight end locked up. It's all a matter of if they can stay healthy. you got to figure that no preseason games can certainly play to the advantage or to the detriment of some teams, certainly guys who are looking to make a roster. But as far as health goes, I think the 49ers feel like they're in a pretty good spot with their number one tight end and maybe with the added receiver help that they brought in last week. For full coverage of sports in the Bay Area, subscribe to The Update on Google Podcasts. The Athletic is the world's fastest-growing sports media publication. Get in-depth sports stories you won't find anywhere else. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting theathletic.com slash Google. I want to say thank you to Brian Smith, our producer. Thank you to Matt Barrows for spending the time with us today. And thank you to you, the listener. We do appreciate you guys tuning in with us a couple of times each week. If you're enjoying the podcast, let your friends know about it. And please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you're hearing us. We appreciate it, and we love doing the podcast with all the great stories we've got in Bay Area sports. It won't stop there. On Wednesday, we're going to talk to Bob Kendrick, who is the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. 
because Wednesday is going to be this year's Jackie Robinson Day, traditionally held on April 15th, but because of the pandemic, they're going to celebrate Jackie Robinson this week. So we'll talk to Bob Kendrick about what's going on with the San Francisco Giants, how manager Gabe Kapler has opted to take a knee, and if baseball can do anything beyond what they've done in 2020, maybe more like what the NBA has done with their social justice stance. All stuff we'll talk about. We appreciate you guys joining us today. Enjoy the week. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.